The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times, or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. You may be seated. We're here to worship His holy name, and we're super glad uh, that you've chosen to join us, whether you're here live at the Buckley campus or at the Manistee campus or if you're just dialing in online. Uh, we're glad that you're here. It is Mother's Day, and we salute our moms, do we not? All right, most of you are in the doghouse, so uh, we salute our moms, right? All right, good deal, well done. Now, as I know, uh, my wife is a mom, and I have a mom, and I, from what I know from moms is they want to be saluted more than just one day, All right? So uh, we can work on that the next year, always room for improvement, but uh, we are glad that you're here. Um, you know, at the Tabernacle, um, we've got a lot of impressive people. We're, we're a community of believers. We love God. We love people. We're all about making disciples, but uh, we also never lose sight of the fact that we live in the land of misfit toys up here in northern Michigan, do we not? We do. There's a lot of jacked up people, and I'm one of them, right? So, you know, if you're just joining us today, by the way, there's a lot of people here that are just joining us for the first time today because you love your mom and she really wanted you to come to church. I want to say good job loving your mom enough to come to church with her today. Good job, right? Thanks for being here. You too. Now, I do want to set a couple things straight. If you were expecting like, well, at this church, all these people have it together. No, we don't. We don't. Uh, and as proof of that, there, there was actually someone from our church was talking about a mug that his mom has, which I think is probably one of the best mugs ever. And it might be the best Mother's Day gift you could ever give to, you know, a mom that goes to the tabernacle. It says uh, on this mug, it says, I'm somewhere between Proverbs 31 and Tupac. <laughs> which I'm like, yeah, yeah, that person's been influenced by the tabernacle somehow, most likely, you know. But uh, yeah, we're, we're in the book of Joshua. In fact, if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn to Joshua chapter 20. We're coming towards the end of this book series. And uh, uh, just to bring everyone up to speed so you know where we're going is uh, God has brought his people out of Egypt and he's taking them to a land he has promised, a land of rest, a land called Canaan. He promised that it was flowing with milk and honey and it's some some, or this land has been promised to their father Abraham, and the promise was renewed to Moses, who brought them out of Egypt, and now it's been renewed to their leader, Joshua, for whom this book was titled. And the whole book has been about conquering the land by God's promise. If you'll be strong and courageous and be careful to obey my commands, by faith, I'm going to give you this land. You're still going to have to put one foot in front of the other. And as we've gotten to this point, all of the standing armies have been defeated. All of the strong cities have been defeated. All of the strongholds have been conquered. And this rest that he promised them, it's upon them. And, and each one of the tribes has give, been given their inheritance, this blessing, this land, this rest. And the entire book, if you remember, is a metaphor for the Christian life. Because God in Christ promises us rest as well. Right? He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Meaning, my teaching, my way, if you'll be my disciple and follow me, you're going to find that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I've been a Christian almost as long as I can remember. I'm 48 years old. I think I gave my life to Christ at six or seven. And uh, 
You know, I'm a pastor, been a pastor for a while, last 14 years. I'm going to tell you something I found out. It's just because I'm a Christian, all of a sudden my fingers just didn't snap like that. And you know what? Just rest on every side. Land flowing of milk and honey and snow. Right? Have you found that to be true that, you know, you're a Christian, but life still happens, doesn't it? Life throws a lot at you still, doesn't it? You see, and some people are greatly disappointed by the version of the gospel that they've been sold because they've been sold a version, well, you know, just pray this prayer and go to church a couple times and, you know, everything's going to work out right. Well, it doesn't quite work that way. It's faith is still required. We're still required to put one foot in front of the other and depend on God and obey God and follow God because although he's promised us rest, we still have to appropriate the rest. We still do our part. Not that it depends on our part, it all depends on God, but I still have to step into that. I still have to live by faith. Let me give you a real practical example of this. You know, all that stuff I told you, I've been a Christian for an hour, 42 years, and, you know, 42 of my 48 years, and, you know, I'm teaching the Bible and all this. My life is chaos. Does that disappoint you? Married, we got five children. Do you know what kind of chaos that brings? Oh, those of you with 2.5 kids and a dog, good for you. Well done. You have five, you're in the big leagues. Now, I know some of you are like, I have six. Well, you're just silly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right, all right. But, oh, you got five kids. It's a lot of stuff going on. And you got, you know, sports activities and school activities. And, oh, now we throw this into the mix. We're in a season right now where we're planning both a graduation, you know, with the open house and all that kind of stuff, and a wedding in the same summer. I don't even know who my wife is right now. But I, I know who the postmistress is at the post office because it's Amazon every day. Me with all these packages. Does this dress fit? No, send it back. Or go back here and all these packages. Are these decorations right? No, let me send it back. Photos and applications and scholarships and university. And I got a second mortgage on my house right now. That's chaos, right? And then you throw in all the other parts of life, right? Then you throw in all you people. I love you. Now, I'm not trying to make this all about me, but I can't afford therapy and we're all here. So, do you ever feel like that? The life is just coming in every direction, whether it's bills or finances or relationships or then we get in all of our bad habits and then you get an addiction and it's like, you know, a match and fire. I had a friend who used to put it this way one time. In fact, some of you know this guy. He's a character. love this guy. But he used to say, Johnny V, the wolves, man, the wolves, they're after me. The wolves are just chasing me on every side. He goes, but don't worry. You know, they chase me right up to my front door, right to the front doorstep. And right when I get to the front, you know what these wolves do? The wolves of life, they just clamp onto my backside with their teeth. I go, man, that sounds rough. He goes, don't worry, though. I just clench my my cheeks and I break all their teeth out. (laughs) You didn't see that coming on Mother's Day, did you? What happens when you don't have the strength? What happens when you don't have the strength? What happens when you're not fast enough? What happens when the wolves of life, just the normal everyday stresses, where's this land of rest? Well, let's see what God has for us today in these chapters. We're going to cover chapter 20 and we're going to cover chapter 21. 
We're not going to read all of it, but uh, we're going to uh, uh, read some sections. I'm going to explain a couple things, and then, and then we'll see where it goes. So chapter 20, starting in verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Joshua, Now tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge as I instructed Moses. Anyone who kills another person accidentally and unintentionally can run to one of these cities. They will be places of refuge from relatives seeking revenge for the person who was killed. And it goes on in that chapter to explain exactly what they're talking about and the six cities of refuge that were to be designated. There were three on the east side of the Jordan River and three on the west side of the Jordan River. And these cities have nothing to do with the cities of refuge in our own political chaos right now. It's not what we're talking about. These were places that you were to run to when you messed up. How would you mess up? Well, we're not, it's, you know, it's not talking about a premeditated murder. Exodus chapter 20 and the Ten Commandments deals with that. The Old Testament law said that if you intentionally murdered someone, not self-defense, not in just war, anything like that, but if you premeditated and murdered someone, the penalty was death. And in the Old Testament, what would happen is the next closest relative of the one who was murdered, it was their job to see justice done. They were called the kinsman avenger or the blood avenger. You didn't know avengers were showing up today, did you? That was a real thing. Okay, it's like the Hatfields and the McCoys could break out because sometimes if they were say, wait a minute, it was an accident, we didn't mean that, but the blood avenger carried out justice anyway, then you could have a blood feud going on. And so God in his love and in his grace and his mercy says, okay, look, this is the first part of the system of justice. If it's premeditated murder, we're going to let the kinsman redeemer do what kinsman redeemer, or not kinsman redeemer, uh, kinsman avenger is going to do. We're going to let them do that, which is, you know, you'd, you'd either do it yourself or you'd hire Clint Eastwood to do it. And a whole bunch of spaghetti westerns are born, right? But if it was on accident, if you messed up, how do you accidentally kill someone, you know, you know, thousands of years B.C.? I don't know. Maybe they were driving their donkey too fast. Maybe you were driving your donkey too fast while under the influence. Maybe you dropped a rock. I'm not sure. Maybe, you know, it's actually one of the biblical examples. Maybe an axe head flew off while you were doing some work and it killed somebody. It says, if you mess up, Run. To one of these cities. Now what happened at the city. Was that. First of all. You were safe there. The blood avenger couldn't touch you there. Second of all. You would get a trial there. And if you were found guilty. uh, Then uh, your life would be called into account. But if you were found not guilty of premeditated murder. Your sentence was to stay in that city. Until the death of the high priest. And that could be a few weeks. That could be a few years. That could be a few decades. And that's how the system of justice was worked. And it was because of God's love and his grace, his mercy, his justice, and because he cared about the sanctity of life. He didn't want just people killing each other, taking the law into their own hands. These were the cities of refuge. There were six of them. Now we go to chapter 21. Stay with me. This will hopefully all make sense by the end. In verse 1 of chapter 21, it says, Then the leaders of the tribe of Levi came to consult with Eliezer the priest, Joshua, son of Nun, and the leaders of the other tribes of Israel. They came to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan and said, The Lord commanded Moses to give us towns to live in and pasture lands for our livestock. 
So by the command of the Lord, the people of Israel gave the Levites the following towns and pasture lands out of their own grants of land. So let me explain what happens there. In the rest of the chapter, 48 different towns and villages are designated for the tribe of Levi, the Levites. Now, remember, there's 12 tribes under Joshua's leadership. The 12 tribes of Israel. These are the 12 sons of Jacob, all of their descendants. Well, the Levites didn't get their own specific parcel of land. So if we were to equate it to our own country, it's kind of like God divided the land of Canaan into 11 states. And each tribe got a state, but not Levi. Because Levi, from the tribe of Levites, that's where the priests came from, right? The pastors, the, you know, the tab kids director and the youth pastor and the teaching pastor. You, you, you get what I'm talking about. The priests that were in charge of teaching the law and, and keeping up the synagogue and the temple and interceding between the people. They were there to tell people, this is what God says. Most of the people were illiterate. And so they couldn't read God's word for themselves. Well, the Levites taught it to the people. The Levites interceded between the people and God with the sacrifice system. And they were to be divided up all over the land of Canaan in these 48 different places. Rabbi historians say that there was never a Levite town more than 10 miles away from anyone in Canaan. And again, this is God's grace. This is God's provision. How am I going to know what God wants? Well, you go to a Levite town. How am I going to know what God's word says? Uh, you're going to go to church at one of the Levite towns. There's, only, there's never one more than 10 miles away. So we've got all these 48 mini tabernacles all over the land of Canaan. And then that chapter is summarized. And that portion of the parsing out of all the different parts of the land, in verse 43 it says, So the Lord gave to Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors. And they took possession of it and settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had solemnly promised to their ancestors. None of their enemies could stand against him. For the Lord helped them conquer all their enemies. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. Everything God said he was going to do He did. Every promise God had made had come true. They'd conquered everything. Now, was there still faith required? Yep. Why? Well, we just read it. Because people still mess up. Well, I didn't think there'd be any more accidental deaths in Canaan. It's the land flowing with milk and honey. But here's the deal. People are still sinful. I'm still sinful. Wicked people in a fallen world, bad things happen. And guess what? We still mess up. At least I do. Maybe you don't. If you never mess up, what are you doing here? You'll get that later. And so this is what God's providing. A place of refuge. Levite towns where God's word can be preached. And a reminder... That he keeps all of his promises. But faith is still going to be required. So how do we tie this all together? I was trying to think all week of, man, what's a really good takeaway point? What's a really good memorable point? It's, you know, Mother's Day. and Okay, here's the, here's the best I could come up with. Ready? 
And I'm sorry if this lets you down, but here it is, is that you can trust God with your life. Yeah, it doesn't have the cool rhyme vibe that I was kind of hoping for. It doesn't sound like, you know, I'm somewhere between Proverbs 31 and Tupac, does it, right? It doesn't kind of, it's not as cool as the wolf story. Trust God with your life. And I know, you know, maybe you're even thinking, really? I got all dressed up on Mother's Day to hear that? Come up with something more brilliant. That's like elementary, right? Trust God with your life. I learned that in second grade. I learned that in BBS. In fact, how many have heard that your whole life? Trust God with your whole life. Okay, we'll take it. Yeah, some of us. But you know what I found out? Even though I've, I've, I've known that, I've said that, I've preached that, I've heard that. It's not going to sell any mugs. But it's the most Christianese, Christian ghetto phrase I could come up with. Why is it that I don't do it? Not just to pray a prayer and ask Christ to be my savior. Yeah, I did that. I mean to trust God with my life in the everyday chaos when the wolves are after me. Do you know what I found that I do when the wolves are after me? I don't trust God with my life. I trust me with my life. I trust my own devices. I trust my own giftedness, my own personality. In fact, our staff this week, we we had a staff development day where our speaker basically shared with us is your greatest area of giftedness can sometimes be your greatest weakness. I know that's true. Guess where I'm gifted? I'm not bragging because it's a gift and it's a curse. Guess where I'm gifted? You're listening to it. Right here. This is the gift. But it's also the curse. It can be the greatest gift. I can also dig the deepest holes with my mouth. And why is it then when the wolves are after me, instead of running to God for my refuge, I use this. Or I use my personality. I, I grew up in a bunch of different cultures. So I'm a chameleon. I can, I can talk to just about anybody. I'm not afraid to. I got the mouth. I got the personality. Let's do all of that kind of stuff. In fact, here's part of my curse is all of you think that I know your name and that I'm your best friend. I have no idea who you are. It's a gift. It's a curse. I know who some of you are, but the other ones, I'm just faking it. I'm going to be honest. I love you. That's not bad. You can't know a thousand people. You can't. You can barely know 300. Ask my own children. It's like, you live here. I know you do. But why is it instead of trusting God with my life, I trust my mouth? Or I trust with my ability to talk my way out of anything. Right? Why do we do that? Why is it that when the wolves of life come after us, we trust our own counsel? Or we trust something to be our refuge other than God? I go through a list. Some of us, we run to worry. Some of us, we run to a bottle. Some of us, we run to some, something else that's going to make that pain go away. Some of us, we uh, uh, run to vengeance, right? Some of us run to work. Oh, I, well, that's nothing. I'm not going to take that to God. I can work myself out of any situation. I pulled myself up with my own bootstraps. I wasn't born with no silver spoon in my mouth. How many of you say that, right? And we're just going to work, 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 work. We never trust God with our life. We trust us with our life. We trust our ability, right? We take matters into our own hands. We become the avenging angel instead of remembering what God's word says when he says, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. When I talk about trusting God with our life or you trusting God with your life, I'm talking about not just 
in the big stress-filled moments, but daily. Psalm chapter 46, verse 1, gives us a clue about what trusting God with our life is all about. It says in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. He's our refuge and our strength. You guys know what a foxhole Christian is? Have you ever heard that term before, foxhole Christian? Foxhole Christian is someone who, you know, it's using a military analogy that if when you're in a foxhole and times are really, really bad and the bullets start to fly and the bombs start to drop, that's when all of a sudden you're like, oh God, I've never done anything at all to even acknowledge that you're there, but I am now. And if you're there, I'll give you my whole life and da, 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 right? Can I tell you something? There's nothing wrong with that. Foxhole's a great place to turn to God for your refuge. I'm not going to be one of those pastors that goes, hmm, foxhole Christian. No, that's a good thing. We just read about it in chapter 20. Wolves are after you. You run. In fact, if you're here today running from the wolves, hoping that maybe there might be some encouragement or truth or wisdom, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. He is our refuge. He's called to be our refuge. In fact, there, there was a story I was reading this week. It's in Mark chapter 5. I'm not going to read it to you, but I'll tell you the story. It tells of a time when Jesus got out of a boat with his 12 disciples on a part of you know, the land of Israel. And in that part of Israel, there was a crazy man. In fact, he was more than crazy. He was demon-possessed. Not just by one demon or two or three, by a legion of demons. No one could subdue him. They couldn't keep him from hurting himself or hurting other people's. He just ran wild. He, he lived among the graves, howling and cutting himself with rocks. He was, all, he was naked and bleeding almost all the time. He was oppressed by a demonic presence, a legion of demons. Now, I don't know what kind of troubles you have or what kind of wolves are after you, but that's a lot of wolves. And as the story goes, when Jesus came into that region, this demoniac, he's called, with a legion of demons in him, whatever part of his consciousness could still make a decision, saw God in flesh, saw the Son of God in Christ, Jesus, refuge, and it says he ran to him and threw himself at his feet. And as a result of that, Jesus cast that legion of demons out into a herd of about 2,000 pigs that committed suicide over a cliff, and the man was cleaned up, and the people in the village were amazed because they found the man cleaned up, clothed, and in his right mind. Why do I share that story with you? To get all trippy and freaky out? Man, is that in there? i got to look that up. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. No, I share that to say this. I don't know what wolves are after you, but if in that moment, that man had a moment of clarity and knew where to run, you can too. We can too. That's where refuge is. That's where we find encouragement. That's where in times of stress we're called to run. We're not called to run to revenge or vengeance or gossip or Facebook or the mall or to bury our head in the sand or ignore all the... Not to our own personality, our own gifts. When we're under distress, run to Him. But as it said in Psalm 46, not just our refuge, but he's also our strength. Strength doesn't happen in a moment. Strength is built up over time. 
You know, anyone who's ever exercised can tell you, you get stronger as you exercise, right? So how is he our refuge and our strength? By not just going to him in the foxhole, going to him daily. And that's the picture of the Levites. The same way a city of refuge is a picture of Christ as our refuge, the Levite cities are also a picture of Christ because he's available. He's never more than 10 miles away. For us, he's never more than 10 seconds away. In fact, scripture says he's closer than a brother. And he's available. So the Levites were to teach his word, to provide counsel, to intercede for the people. You don't know how to do life? You can't figure out your marriage? You go see a Levite. The beginning of Joshua said, be strong and courageous, only be careful to do everything I've commanded you. How do I know what he wants from me? Well, you go to his word, but I can't read. It's 2000 BC and I can't read. You go to a Levite town, they'll read it to you. Same thing in 2018. Well, I don't read much. Well, you know what? You can show up here on more than just Mother's Day and I'll read it to you. Tell a few jokes and explain it in a way we can understand. Oh, you want a little more? Great. You're a dude. You can go to a fight club, right? Oh, you're a woman. You want to learn? You can go to women's Bible study. Oh, you're a student. We've got Levites for kids. We got Levites for days, right? And it's not just the pastors and the ministry staff people. We got all kinds of people that can specialize in this Levitical work of explaining, teaching, proclaiming God's word. And we've got no excuse in 2018. You can find a Bible in almost every language. Almost every language. We're getting close. You know, the experts tell us, you know, there's a lot of scholars that believe that Jesus isn't going to come back until the Bible's been translated into every language. You know we're close. That'll boost attendance. We're getting close. You know, for those of us who speak English, you can get it in a translation just about any one you like. King James, New King James, NIV, inspired version, nearly inspired version, New Living Translation, the massage as it's known, right? ESV, NASB, have, you can get someone to read it to you. You can get Johnny Cash to read it to you, God rest his soul. And that is our strength daily. When I say trust God with your life, how do you trust God with your life if you don't know him in order to trust him? The way you're going to trust him is by knowing him better. How are you going to know him better? Boom, right there. He wrote us a letter. He wants us to know him. He's revealing himself. Everything God wants us to know about him is explained in here. And the stuff that's not in here, he's either going to reveal to you or it's above your pay grade. But the more we know him, the more we can trust him. And the only way to get to know him and to trust him is to stay connected to him. Jesus taught about this in John chapter 15, one of his last teachings to his disciples. He said that he was a vine and disciples are like branches. So God in Christ, Jesus is the vine, you and I are branches. And we abide in him by maintaining our connection to him. So a branch takes its life from the root. The branch takes its life from the vine. And so as we worship together, as we follow together, you know, as jacked up and messed up as we are, as we learn about him and learn to trust him more and more, we're abiding, we're staying connected to him. But you know what Jesus also said? I'm not just going to candy coat it for you. He said, when you don't abide, when you're not connected, then you as a branch, you don't produce fruit. 
When you're not connected, you're not abiding. When you're not connected or abiding, you don't produce fruit. He says, you know what I do with branches that don't produce fruit? I cut them off and I burn them. There's a verse. Look it up. And so that's how we know him and learn to trust him. So it's not just running to that city of refuge when we're in distress because we messed up by driving our donkey too fast. We go to him daily. You can go to him on your own. You don't like the way I preach? Great. You can download a million sermons online right now from much better preachers than I am. Go for it. That's how we abide. That's how we know him. That's how we trust him. And we can go there daily. And when we do that, we're believing again by faith that he is our hope. He's our hope in time of need. He's our hope daily. I need them both because he's my refuge and my strength. You know, all, the, all this book of Joshua is pointing to Jesus and all the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus and all the New Testament points back to Jesus. You know, in the book of Hebrews, it's all about Jesus and it explains how the Old Testament fulfill, is fulfilled in Christ. And how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. And that he had been promised. And it's all summarized here, here in this verse. In Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 it says, So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable, get this, because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. You see, when you become a Christian, you fled to a city of refuge. You fled to God in Christ and your life is now hidden in that city. Our life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's a good place to be. And because God cannot lie... We know that he fulfills his promises and he is our hope. Now we're walking by faith. Now some of you might be thinking right now, what do you mean God cannot lie? I thought God could do anything. Don't be foolish. Or nonsensical, right? Have you heard this one before? Well, I, well if God can do anything, can he lift a rock so, or, or can he make a rock so big that even he can't lift it? Again, stop being foolish, right? Well, if God can do anything, why can't he tell a lie? I thought he could do anything. He can't tell a lie because it goes against his perfect nature. And secondly, why would you want him to? He's the only perfect being in the universe. I don't want him to be like me. He's called me to be like him. I know me. I look at crazy in the mirror every morning. You do too. But we can put our hope in him. We don't put our hope in people. Church, don't put your hope in me. Don't put me up on a pedestal. I'm only up here because I'm short. And don't put your hope in a person. Unless that person is Jesus. And don't put your hope in your favorite author, your favorite speaker. Don't put your hope in this church. We put our hope. Our hope is in Christ. In fact, most of us who've been, really been hurt by church, not most of us, I'd say at least half of us that are supposedly been hurt by church, it's because we put our hope in a person or an organization instead of the Christ that that person or organization we're supposed to be pointing to. There's refuge. There's daily strength. 
There's your hope. I will let you down. I've seen me do it. And you'll let me down. God knows you have. But he never lets us down. Because he's our refuge. He's our strength. Not just in times of stress. He's also our refuge and strength daily. He is our only hope. That's why we're called to trust God. And that's the message. Trust God with your life. So are the wolves after you? You tired of running? Tired of clenching? That old break their teeth out trick's not working? So here's a question for us. Here's a question for you. Where do you run? Do you run to things? Do you run to personality? Do you run to ministry? Do you run to giftedness? Do you run to anger? Some of us, anger's our addiction. Anger's our buddy. Anger only takes you so far, and usually what anger does is get you run into a city of refuge because you killed somebody with your donkey. Where do you run? Where do you run in times of distress? Where do you run daily? Where do you run in that moment where it's just lonely? Right? Do you have a certain time of day? Certain place, and all of a sudden it takes you back, and then all of a sudden you start acting weird, you start going to that thing? Where do you run? called to run to God, to run to God in Christ. He's our city of refuge. And you know what the beautiful thing is? When we start getting that straight, and God's working on me on this, and if we all let him work on us together, and we become a people that run to him for refuge and go to him for strength daily, And we're a people that live out he's our hope instead of going to the same things that people far from God run to. When we all together start to do that, people who are far from God all over northern Michigan start seeing the tabernacle as a city of refuge. And isn't that what we want? I mean, if they come in here and see you run into the same thing they're running to, See me run into the same thing they're running to. What good is that? They didn't have to wake up and go anywhere. But when we become a people that trust God with our lives, that becomes a witness to others. And then this becomes a place or continues to be a place where people find refuge, where people find hope where people get strength. And they don't come up in here, or I hope they don't, looking, wow, look at all these people. There's a thousand people here, and their lives are perfect. And I'm the one that's messed up. Maybe they can share with me some of their wisdom. Doesn't work that way. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they come up in here and they go, oh, all these people are hiding too. Yeah, you found us out. Oh, sounds like I'm done. And when they come in here, what do they find out? That we're all just looking for strength. That you're straight crazy. And she's straight crazy. And you're straight crazy. And I am too. But we're all here together following our one hope, who is Jesus. So my question is, where do you run? Not just in the desperate times, but daily. Where are you running to? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Let's pray.
Lord, it's so easy, you know, for flesh and blood to run to anything but you when we're distressed or to run to anything but you for strength, to try to do it ourselves. God, thankful for your word, who I believe your spirit is calling us to find refuge and strength in you and nowhere else. God, would you show us those moments, even today, when we start running to something else instead of you? God, would you show us how to run daily? God, would you continue to make us a place, a church, whether it's a campus in Manistee or a campus here in Buckley or wherever else you call us to plan a campus, to be places where people can find refuge and strength, not because of who we are, but because of who you are, where we can say we have hope because we've run to you and you met us here. God, help us to point to you and not to ourselves. Help us to run daily to you, to trust you with our lives. Help me to do that, God. We ask this by the grace and power of your spirit who intercedes for us. We pray in the name of Jesus, your son. If you agree, say amen. Thanks so much for being here today. To the moms again, happy Mother's Day. Uh, Just want to tell you, uh, the, the Manistee campus is opening next week, but if you all go there, then we're going to be really lonely over here. Uh, what you may not have known is we did uh, start a service today. They just finished in Manistee, right? They just had a little soft launch. That's pretty cool, right? It's happening. It's happening. So uh, uh, have a great day. God bless you. Hope to see you next time.